2: And welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. It's all go as well, isn't it, people? On the field, in pre-season and off the field, transfer-wise. And I'm delighted to say we've managed to snaffle him. We've got him back again. The renowned and the respected Neil Jones is with us. So should say, first of all, great to have you back, Neil. And importantly, how are we?
3: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm obviously just... Recording this not long after the Bayern game, so i been uh, been watching that today. So yeah, plenty to uh, plenty to chew over eh? and good to be back.
2: Yeah, absolutely, plenty to to chew over, and, and I know personally that you you went out to Germany, you followed the Reds there, not been out to Singapore, but pre season. I mean, that we'll get to that because there's a million things to to unpack, exciting, and maybe not so much depending on how people look at it. But the Bayern game's the the one that I wanted to to sort of start with. I mean. Eventful to say the least. What did you make of it personally?
3: Yeah, eventful. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it, a lot of, if you, if you're a negative of the negative persuasion, you could see things that would confirm your negativity. If you were positive, you could see things that would confirm your positivity. I think, you know, it's fair. Yeah. To Liverpool, Liverpool look good going one way and they're a little less good going the other. And I, I think, you know, <laughs> you always have to, Caveat: all all of preseason sort of assessments with look. You know, things change as soon as as soon as the sort of the real stuff starts, and you know you, that that's the same the world over. That that whatever level you play football at, there's something different when you say the word friendly. You know, it's not it isn't, yeah. it isn't the same. You're not going to get the same sort of performances or consistency, or just just everything about the game will be a bit different. And you know, we can we'll pick over certain, certain performances and certain players. I'm sure. Well, you have to look at the team that was on the pitch at the end and you look at it and say, oh, Liverpool let in two goals in the last 10 minutes, but you look at the sort of side that was out and you look at the, the inexperience and, you know, the 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 changes that were made. So, if you really, you, you want to be looking at the 30, first 45 in the first hour and it was a pretty competitive game between two good sides, wasn't it? And it was pretty... Um, yeah. Watch and Liverpool were dangerous, Bayern were dangerous, you know, and that's sort of, you know, what you'd expect from those two teams.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. And yeah, like you said, it's certainly been exciting to watch so far. And speaking of excitement, you've probably no doubt the first thing I'm going to ask you around is the the transfer window because it's only Wednesday and it seems to have been almost a month in a week, so to speak, with everything that's been going on. I mean, we've had Fabinho confirmed. He's now joined Saudi Arabian club al Ittihad. That's gone through for a £40 million. Pounds. And it's the incomings I want to focus on, Neil, because naturally the the Lavia second bid rejected sort of the the stories that have come out from various sources around that, the negotiations. Then even late last night or sort of late afternoon that spiraled last night, Andre, the Fluminese midfielder is now on the on the agenda, so to speak. And that leads to the speculation, doesn't it? Is it both? Is it one or the other? Is it games as normal by Liverpool type of thing? Even you know, is it two midfielders? Is there going to be a defender? All all the things I've no doubt you've heard a million times in the recent week. So maybe a, a short question, but not the easiest to answer. What is the latest around incomings right now as we stand?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's Wednesday and nothing's, as I am aware, has changed from Tuesday. So as of, as of this morning, the latest was Liverpool have had the second bid for Lavia rejected, which was over £40 million all in. I don't know the breakdown of the, you know, the initial fee or the guaranteed fee and the, um the add-ons, but it was over 40 million, the total yeah. package with Southampton still wanting close to 50 for the total package. So that's been rejected. So it's, it's now back in Liverpool's court as to whether they come back with a third bid or whether they look elsewhere and say, you know, too much. And, you know it, again you talk about tactics and you talk about sort of what clubs do in this this period and we, it's not just liverpool it's not just southampton but the word from liverpool is it's a it's a big fee but to be honest the word from liverpool was that the fee that they've offered for, on the second offer was a big fee so yeah. they're, edging, they're edging closer towards it and it doesn't feel like a huge distance between the two at the moment um so i would probably be surprised if liverpool didn't Come back with another offer. It it doesn't feel like it's sort of you know they're offering thirty million in Southampton one fifty. You know that would you you would be saying okay, well that's that's a big jump to make. It doesn't yeah. feel like a million miles away. Um, the Andre thing I think is really interesting. You know that that's something that's sort of come from nowhere a little bit, and you know it's a player that I don't think many people will know too much about. I'm sure everyone will be on the YouTube troll at this moment in time, um, but it's an interesting player. You know you're looking at a twenty two year old. Known and I, I did some digging with people who who, who scout and, and and know that part of the world and very combative player with a bit of bite to him and a you know a bit of a tackler. And you're thinking, okay, that's you know, I'm listening. And then 22, you know, you're looking at coming from the Brazilian league. What's the fee going to be? It isn't going to be sort of ludging yeah. up near Lavia territory. Um, so an interesting player, and obviously the rules around. Players coming in have been a bit relaxed in the Premier League with work permits yeah. and like that, so it does lend itself to clubs maybe taking a few more. You know Liverpool's tendency with South American players has been to to let them do the first sort of move in Europe. You know the Darwin Nunez and Luis Diaz and people like that, Alexis Macallum, yeah. and then take the plunge. It does lend itself, you know, the situation that is there now, where you can see Liverpool and other clubs making more of a, you know, getting them a bit earlier. Um So. I think it's a really interesting one. I, I, I completely agree. I, I think the question is, you know, let's, let's, let's not use the players, if you like. Let's, let's not worry about who the players are. Is it, is it one midfielder or two? And, you know, I, I, I know you and I, we've had conversations about this where we maybe have just different opinions on it. I, I think it needs to be two. I still think Liverpool are too short in, in the sort of the out and out, deeper lying midfielders. And I think it was interesting to hear Jürgen Klopp speaking on, what was it, Tuesday? And he said he basically admitted, didn't he, that there's no sort of standout number six, yeah, out there. Didn't he? I, I I wasn't sure entirely whether he meant in Liverpool squad or just in the market generally. And I think if that's the case, then sort of you want to be sandbagging and making sure that you've got you know two that might be rather than rather than one that might be.
2: Yeah, it was interesting, especially like you said that part of the the presser because he was almost talking about Curtis Jones a little bit in that section, but he was also talking about. The market as well, almost combining the two. And, and like you, I was like, is he talking about Curtis Jones and I need to compensate? Is he talking about it in the market? So it, it will be interesting. And I know you've said it, and we probably like differ a little bit on this. And one thing that, that we don't differ on is we know we need numbers to come in. I suppose the question I want to ask, can people see this in different ways, it seems to be the biggest debating point at the moment, how many? Because naturally, if, if it's one sort of lavia, we're still short. Sure. If it's two, People then hedge their bets into one midfielder, one defender, two mids, you know, whichever way people view it. But it generally tends to be that three seems to be the magic number, as it were, so to speak, for most people in terms of a good season or if we want to be successful, maybe that's the right way to see it. Is that how you see it? It needs to be two, more. How do you view it?
3: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think three would feel like Liverpool have... Whether the, again taking the players out of the equation, you know, taking who they are, if Liverpool yeah. made three more signings, first team level signings, you would feel like they've had a good go at at sort of plugging the gaps and, and strengthening in this window. They've obviously lost, you know, whatever you think of the, the players that have gone out. You know, they've lost, they've lost the captain, they've lost the vice captain, they've lost, you know, their are holding midfielder, they've lost their number nine, and yeah. they midfield players who you know were on their day, capable of producing good performances and, and playing, you know, games in a team that was chasing trophies. So they've lost a lot of players. They're six, you know, first-team players who, you know, I wouldn't like to guess at how many appearances they made between them last season, but you would yeah. imagine it would be more than 100 comfortably. Um So to bring in two early in the window was good, and I felt like I felt like that compensated for Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain, for example. I felt like that that was a, a good immediate upgrade on Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Now, you can go back to January and say Gakpo. Okay, that's a decent uh, move to make in light of Firmino leaving. So, okay, you, yeah. can, you can tick that one. You've lost two players since then. And also, I mean, we'll, we'll include Milner as a very good versatile player. And I think that's an underrated quality, you know, that we're seeing in pre-season that yeah. look, look like a different side when they don't have that versatile player that can go in a couple of positions. But you've, they've lost two players since then that were central to the team for many, many years. Now, I can't understand why Liverpool would not see both of those players as being needing to be replaced. Now, yeah. You, might, you might look at Bajcetic, you might look at Curtis Jones, you might look at Bobby Clark or Tyler Morton, whatever you know the potential that you see there. But it's not the same, and it's not—it's too much to ask for Stefan Bajcetic to, to to sort of be Fabinho. I think Jurgen even said it on LFC TV today. I think he said whoever we play in this number six role, he said they can't be Fabinho when he was at his absolute best. They aren't. They just yeah. won't be now. Okay, that's fine, but you can get closer to it, and you can also you cannot you you can also not put them in a position where there's too much for them physically, and it's too much for them in terms of be, having to be consistent, play many games, and that's my concern with trusting people. You know, we saw last season with someone like Harvey Elliott. Listen, he he came through and he, he had some good games and some really good developments, and he played a lot of games, but you saw the the impact that it had on him as the season wore on and it, and it took its toll yeah. and in the end he couldn't you know he wasn't playing games the same could happen with by chef it's the same could happen with a young lad like lavia so for me it would have to be two midfielders coming in and then I agree with with you know defensively I think one more player needs to come in um you know whether that's a player leaving and being replaced or whether it's actually joining the the, the existing um, number of players there and obviously you know you look at some of the individual performances of defenders in this pre-season. and I think it's only it's only sort of heightening those those tensions among fans and I, I completely understand them. But for me, three three more signings between now and the end of the window. I listen, that you know feels like a lot, doesn't it? You know, we're on 2nd of August. Yeah. It feels like a lot for Liverpool. But it is an extraordinary summer in terms of what's happened to Liverpool. So I, I wouldn't um I wouldn't completely rule that out. And I think if they were to do that, it would feel like at least they've sort of they've tried to offset the sort of carnage of of what's happened. Are you that person
1: who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters
2: Yeah, understandably. And uh, the sentiment's understandable with a lot of fans, as in, listen, there's 52 million plus Jordan Henderson's add-ons just come into the pot recently as well. The wage bill's been slashed massively by a lot of established stars leaving at the same time. So it's natural that there's going to be that expectation. You mentioned it about timing. I did want to ask about this, because it almost feels like a years ago that Dominic Zaboslai came through the door right at the start of January, January July even, sorry, right at the 1st, sort of start the month, the first day. So we're now another month on, and obviously there's been a lot of talk, but not a lot of action that way. So game-wise, Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea's literally crept up. It's just a a week and a bit around the corner, literally. Is is there an essence of, I suppose, seeing it two ways? Is it, it's not a big rush because you're not going to get them in for Chelsea or embedded for Chelsea, you know, it's after then? Or do you understand or subscribe to that? I, I can understand why people are getting a bit jittery, panicked, however you want to describe it. And the later it goes, prices go up, the worry. Which which way do you see it in that regard?
3: Yeah, I suppose I suppose there's a I mean, the Chelsea game, I don't see I don't see it as being vital for the Chelsea game. I see it as vital as as soon as possible, just for the sort of the time elements of embedding a player into the team and the more time that you have, obviously, and like you say, you know, the late in the window and that kind of thing. Um I don't see it as sort of right, like, gotta get this nailed down before the Chelsea game. But I mean, they're in a similar position, aren't they? And then they're, they're not, yeah. they're not in a position where they've got all their ducks in a row with, with, with signings and with, with how they're going to play and, and players in yet. So, you know, it's not, it, it's not just Liverpool, but I think what it shows and what it, what it feels like to me is just how much disruption this has caused. And I think in particular the Fabinho. Departure has caused this sort of complete about turn, really, in what Liverpool were doing. Because I, I don't think there's a, I, I think there's a well where Liverpool have made another sign and another type of midfielder. And maybe you know, listen, that one of the one of the names that were linked early in the summer, are Kevin Taram or a Ryan Gravenberg or whatever. I think yeah. a, if Fabinho doesn't leave and maybe Henderson does, that Liverpool have already done that sort of kind of signing, or they might have even bought a you know a, a defender by now. I think what's happened is this Fabinho thing has led to such a sort of a you know the handbrake's all, almost gone on. It's like right, we need to stop and really have a think about this. We can't get this wrong. You know, we can't sort of you know, we hadn't planned for it. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure they yeah. will have sort of indirectly planned for Fabinho's succession, but definitely wasn't on the agenda this summer until recently. So I think it just shows that Liverpool have had to really re re sort of align themselves, and the fact that they've come back for Lavia. You know, I think it tells you a couple of things. I suppose it tells you obviously that they think he's a really good player, but I think it also tells you that there wasn't much out there that they they really fancied, and that, that jumped out at them and thought, right, okay, you know. True. Right. And I think I think if there was, I think Liverpool would be would would have already made this sort of move if it was a case of you know there was a just an argument say, a Casemiro type player available right here and now then I think that the probably would have pivoted towards them, but they've, they've obviously had a good look at the market and look, we talked about it on the last show, didn't we? You know, the names that were linked, none, yeah. of, them sort of, none of them screamed obvious did they? to, to, to you or I, you know, we, we sort of, we, we, we put ourselves, you know, into the sort of the glass half full camp with a few of them, with Amrabat or with Gravenberg or with Calvin Phillips, but we were all in agreement. I think that whoever came in would be an imperfect solution. Um, and so the fact that Liverpool have sort of had a good look at the market and thought, no, okay, we'll probably buy Lavia or try and buy Lavia and give him more responsibility than we originally planned tells you a little bit about the state of the market, and that, that you know that can worry you, but it doesn't mean that you can't make the most of it. Liverpool have, you know, Liverpool have had sort of second choice or third choice signings in the past that have become really good players for the, for the club, haven't they? And you know, Andy, yeah. Lawrence, I don't think was sort of the one. I don't think Mo Salah is the one when Liverpool signed them, or Gini when Alden. So there's um there is precedent of, of a sort of an imperfect option becoming perfect, but it doesn't um yeah, it, i I can understand the sort of trepidation around it definitely.
2: Yeah, it is interesting. Like you say, even the even the Florentino Luis at Benfica, Decorate at Crystal Palace, it all seems to have gone quiet down all those avenues. So it will be interesting to see, especially in the, the coming days and the coming weeks as well. And one thing that I, I didn't have it on the agenda, but it's, everyone's pressing me to ask you this, and that maybe it's because they've just watched the the game today. I don't know, but defensive wise, the names seem to have dried up somewhat. So Ignacio's talking about signing the new contract with Sporting Lisbon. You know, Van der Ven now seems set for Tottenham. There doesn't seem to be a sort of defensive name screaming out. And maybe that is partly because they were focused on the midfield. Is there any sort of defensive developments or is it just a kind of wait and see for all on that one?
3: Yeah, I think it's a wait and see. I mean, it, you know, look at, look, I don't think Joe Gomez is going anywhere. So I think you can sort of write him in. I, I had a, I had a conversation with someone earlier today about Mattip, just, just as a sort of a fan, a fan and fan conversation, but someone obviously involved in the, in the industry and. Their their thing was sort of his inclusion today felt like a sort of a a little bit of a Jürgen checking on whether he can do this job for this this system and you know yeah. getting getting his answer. Um, I wonder, I do wonder about that. Whether you know you might see that kind of desire to to maybe get another centre back in, just just ramp up a little bit after after the way preseason's gone. I mean, Liverpool have let ten goals in 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 four games. Um, in pre season, you know, twice, twice letting in four goals. Um, I know obviously they made changes, but Mata Gomez were on the pitch for a lot of those Simicasts were on the pitch, you know, so that they were, that these are first team players as well that are letting these goals in or, or a yeah. the team that's conceding these goals. So it's, um, that would be the one for me. The the one I, I would, I expected Mata to leave this summer, you know, early in the year and, it it went quiet. That would be the one that I would look at and say, is there a, is there a possibility that Liverpool give up on Matip and, and, and sort of look to get someone in? But you're talking about names. I mean, if we're talking about finding, you know, top class number sixes I think to finding top class centre halves is even harder personally than than finding top class number sixes. So you look at City are spending seventy odd million on on Guardiola, obviously yeah. you wants know, to great lengths to keep Levi Colwill at the club. You know, looks like he's going to sign a new contract, and I think it's one of them where a lot of clubs are sort of once you get hold of a good centre back or what you feel is a good centre back, you don't really want to be giving them up. And it's um yeah, it's difficult. You know, it's not impossible, but I don't. I don't know about you. I, there are none that jump out at me, but bar bar probably those two I've just mentioned, Guardiol and, and Caldwell. There are none that jump out at me as sort of just do that. You know, a lot of them are sort of would still be kind of project signings or or risks. Um, but I do think Matip's sort of I think decline or struggles, whatever you want to call call it, I think does place it into sharper focus. And I I, I was of the opinion at the start of the summer that Liverpool should sign a centre back and I'm I'm still am. Um, once they've got the midfield in order,
2: yeah, I'd probably agree with all of that. Like you said, especially the the two names there because all oh, we know he's a red, we know how good he is. Even Colwell, there was all that social media wasn't there about in the Liverpool shirt, just left left sided centre back, how he fitted perfectly. But exactly as you said, it just it doesn't seem to be a name screaming out. Hopefully, it's just going to be one of those that comes from nowhere, as it was that you know, likes the Bosley that Liverpool do, but. Yeah, time is ticking in this window, so there's we'll
3: see what happens. The possibility that Liverpool make a sort of a, a younger sign, and that's maybe not a sort of you know an obvious name or a a, a a huge name at the moment, but they sort of do it in that kind of you know gamble way mm. with bringing a, a young lad and, and, and sort of hope that he, he kicks on quickly. Um, but again, you know, that, that that's that's Sort of, I think that's a discussion or a, 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 an issue for once they've they've got what they need to do for the midfield situation, sort of, because I think clearly, and I think Yagan even said it himself, and he said it's no secret that we're sort of we're still looking for players in that area, and but you know, rightly so.
2: Yeah, step at a time makes complete sense, real, and th- this is a positive. I saw this as a positive, so I do want to talk about the captaincy, the leadership group that. We know this week, Virgil van Dijk's been appointed as Liverpool captain. Trent Alexander-Arnold is the vice-captain now as well. A, a big appointment. And quite rightly, both of those to real acclaim. And we know that the leadership group's got Robbo, Mo Salah, Alisson in there as well. So Jürgen yeah. talked about it in the press conference being the natural choice. And I think uh, a lot of people uh, agree with that. I know... Obviously, Trent's probably more of the talking point, possibly as vice captain, maybe more than you know. Virgil sort of being promoted, as it were, to the armband. I mean, when you look at that, Virgil captain, Trent vice, happy with that?
3: Yeah, I, I am. I wrote about it. I know. I know you. Uh, I, you know, you weren't the only one, for enough, but a couple of people sort of misread what I wrote about that recently, where I I was actually saying about Trent being the vice captain. Or should be the vice captain. Yeah. A few people thought it. I was saying he should be the actual captain, but I, it was exactly what I, what I thought should happen and thought would happen would be Van Dyke gets the armband and Trent would be in a position where, you know, in a year, two years, whenever it, it may be is ready to step up. I think it's, it's the right thing. I think Trent as captain now. I would have question marks over just because I still think he's got some bits to learn about his own role, yeah. about, about his, his sort of, you know, don't forget last season, there were times where I think his body language wasn't great and he didn't give off the best sort of attitude or vibes in, 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 in struggling times. So right. learning, that, learning that sort of improvements in, in the role of vice captain rather than with the armband on possibly is, is, is more sort of, you know, is more sensible. Um, but I also think giving him that responsibility and giving him that carrot of look, you are going to be Liverpool's captain, you know, if you carry on, and if you stay in the team and if you stay fit and you stay performing, you are going to be Liverpool's captain. I think it's interesting to sort of to see whether that brings out this more mature side in him. It brings out this more, you know, influential side in him in terms of his character as opposed to his football. Um I think it also tells you a little bit about sort of you know, where Liverpool's age profile of the squad is a little bit, you know, you look at there aren't many of that ilk, yeah, that level of player who are, who you think, well, in four years' time, three years time, they're gonna be in Liverpool's team. You know, they're gonna they're gonna still be playing. You know, you look at the, the other guys, obviously Robertson and Salah, um, and Allison, you know, Allison, yeah, okay, goalkeeper, carry on for for the, as long as he likes. Salah's obviously past 30 and in the last couple of years of his contract. Robertson's um, you know, well, I don't know if he is 30, yet. he he'll certainly be close to thirty. Um and and you know, you would have to ask, okay, what's what's Liverpool's left back gonna be in two years' time? It might be Robertson. Yeah. Might be. Um so Trent's in that sort of sweet spot, isn't he? he is, is gonna be one of Liverpool's main men this year, next year, and the year after. And so it makes sense to have him in there. And I think also a little bit, I don't know, I, I completely forgot to reply to you funny enough, but I know you were asking about um Scouse, you know, having the Scouse element to it. Yeah. I don't think it's a sort of a huge swaying factor, but I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a given that sort of, that sense of, ownership of, of of a young player coming through and sort of being a focal point of the team, not just being a sort of a, a lad who comes in, you know, a famous saying from Alex um, Inglethorpe, who said, we don't celebrate debuts at Liverpool. We celebrate when they get to 200 games in the first team. And obviously Trent, wow, you know, is one of those those people who, who, who've who been lucky enough and, and good enough to achieve that. So I think, you know, having having someone like that, and we've seen it obviously in the past with Steven Gerrard, um, that kind of bloodline, if you want to call it that, I think is, is important and just keeps that sort of sense of, you know, if you do the right things, if you do sort of take your chance when it comes, if you do listen to your academy coaches and you do sort of have fantastic talent and attitude, that's, that's what's there for you. You know, you can come and lead this club one day. So I do think it is an, um, it is a really sort of good symbol for, for Liverpool's academy and for young players who are coming through.
2: Yeah, definitely. And even at that that press conference of the day, I thought Trent was brilliant the way he answered. He seemed to, like see, growing into the leadership role for me as well. Jürgen Klopp by his side. It all seemed very natural. And there was even that video, wasn't there, of the nice moment when Jürgen tells yeah. him, arm round the shoulder at training. As like I said, I thought he was going to get told off for giving the ball away. But just literally, it just seems almost right, natural for me that way as well. And the other bit I did want to ask about, The leadership group Um, I always think maybe I maybe I picked this up wrong and Jürgen's never kind of confirmed it but historically why Hendo was the captain he's always been clear Jürgen Klopp that the players vote for the leadership group and he asked them to make the 4-6 didn't he and and that type of thing but this time when he was asked about it very much said you know it's my decision I've got to communicate with the players said you know I've got to do that it's my decision it's a natural choice used that phrase a, a couple of times as well do you feel that, I suppose, has there always just been a natural assumption because Henderson was there that long, in that's all his plan? Or do you feel there's an element of, with everything that's going on and everything changing, he maybe thought, listen, I need to be the leader here, take control that way. Or do you see it yeah. differently?
3: I think, though, I think there's a couple of things, really. I think, one, obviously there's a lot of new players in the squad, isn't there? There's a lot of players. Yeah. Who it feels a little bit unfair to be asked. Alexis McAllister and Dominic Sobusla, you know, who do you think should be in the leadership group? You know, I haven't spoke, you know, I haven't spoken to everyone yet, really. You know, I haven't, a lot of the young, other players obviously have been there, what, six months, Gakpo a year, Nunez, you know, a few others are coming through as younger players who are sort of still fast So I think there's probably a few less, you know, obvious senior. Players around that you know that there's there's you know I'm just trying to think is is there anyone there that you would say has probably been excluded from the leadership group that maybe would probably maybe Joe Gomez would probably be the only one that you because yeah. he's been there that long but I mean he's got his own problems with trying to get in the team so I think there's there's an element to that I think there's maybe and I, I, you know I don't know if Viegan would ever admit this or whether I'm just again sort of picking at the wrong the wrong straw but. Is there an element of look? You know, we could pick some players to go in this, and the the team might pick it, and then like Fabinho, they might have picked Fabinho over the asked at the start of the summer, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh god, back to the vote. Sure. You know, that Henderson, I'm sure would have been had Liverpool done a complete sort of canvas of the squad at the back end of last season. I'm pretty sure Henderson would have been the one who won the vote. So is there just an element of no? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna put these things in place. I thought it was interesting. I don't know about you, but he he mentioned about Robertson, didn't he? He basically said Robertson is the third captain, didn't he? I think yeah. how you put it. And that Salah and Allison are more in there because they've got a different perspective. I think the what that's sort of the way the way I read it. Yeah. Because they're so specific in their their roles that they offer a little bit of a broader or sorry, a more narrow um um perspective. And I thought that was interesting that, you know, he's clearly because I think Salah would be the one last year when when it was announced, obviously it had gone up to six people in the in the group that people thought, oh, that's a bit strange, and Salah wasn't maybe part of it. He's obviously been added, and I think maybe Egan's seen that maybe it is it is important to have that kind of you know may, maybe the reason he didn't get it was because people thought he was a bit single minded, but actually maybe the single mindedness and that relentlessness and that quest for sort of perfection and individual brilliance and, and whatever is actually what maybe. Can make a difference to this kind of group that you know you sort of yeah. you 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 influence others through example as opposed to talking or giving great speeches as I believe James Milner does and that kind of thing. So I think it's um yeah you know it's not it's not a bad quintet is it? You know Liverpool have got some pretty good. Yeah. players in there and players who've had a lot of experience and appearances for the club um, but I do think that the t- at the top end of it I think with Virgil as captain makes sense and I think at Trent was the right the right decision to put him as a as vice captain as well.
4: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff, we've got EPL Index as well which covers the entirety on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Yeah, absolutely I agree with all that. And especially, like you say, I think Salah was the big shot for a lot of people. It's not, it's not always about sort of being the vocal. It's leading by example, those standards on and off the field, the dedication. So yeah, I think Jurgen phrased it right. It does feel like a, a natural choice and it is, it does feel exciting as well with, with Trent there as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops during the season and pre season wise. I mean, we, there's just so much to unpick with this. I mean, I saw the stat today. In the preseason game so far, we're banging them in 15 goals, but at the same time, we've shipped 10 as well to maybe not the most fashionable side, some of them at the same time as well, aside from Bayern Munich. it's The forwards is the one I want to sort of ask you about because almost all of them now have shone at points during preseason. I mean, Nunes has been banging in the goals, you know, doing some great things. We talked about composure, you know, the things that you're in. Diaz even again today, you know, shined if there was any question marks against him. Jota been doing it. You know, we know it's always Mo Salah and two others as well. Don't get me wrong. And Cody Gatpo, again, great finish. You know, you've got a hammer of a shot. Seems to to do it all, almost the, the closest to Bobby in that regard. It could be one that I appreciate changes every week. And people looked at this today and thought, is that the clue for Chelsea? Look who it is. It's Jota on the left, Salah on the right. Gap poke through the middle in that sort of Bobby style ro- role. Do you see them as having the shirt for Chelsea right now? Or is that just too easy? There's still things that can happen because it, it ain't that long till that game kicks off, so to speak.
3: No, it's not. I mean, that's interesting because I, I was thinking about this yesterday, so I for enough, just what would I pick? I, I thought I was going to be asked about it on another, another show about what would I pick. For this Chelsea game and actually the three that I would have picked for Chelsea would be the three that started today for for, for reasons really that I think you need someone who could maybe just nick you a cheap goal as a Jota and, and also someone who can look after the ball when you're under pressure and you're going to be under pressure at Stamford Bridge obviously you know Chelsea are the good side yeah. you have the tails up and I, I, I'd want that sort of security of Gakpo but if you ask me what would be the three that I'd pick against Bournemouth I wouldn't be a million miles away from from saying I'd have Nunes and Diaz in there because I'd have I'd want the crowd sort of a bit more engaged in the game. Maybe I'd want that sort of sense of direct, you know, running at that players and you know that that sense that something's going to happen regularly. So it may well be that that's the manager's thinking is 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 more horses for courses. It's it might just be that sort of you know he he's sort of he's holding them on a leash a little bit and saying to them go on you know. Show, his, show me your teeth a little bit and let's see, you know, going in your shirt. And if that is the case this preseason, I think he's, it's, it's worked out beautifully for him because I think all of them are looking good form. I mean, I'm, I've been absolutely delighted with what I've seen from Gakpo just all around. He looks like an absolute top player. Yeah. Looking at Diaz coming on today, I think that was a big sort of statement from him to come on and be, you know, his usual self, but. Also with an you know an end product to it and a, and a sort of a, a real threat. I mean, he had he got a lovely goal, and he? A really well taken goal, well created goal. He should have really? got a list for Darwin, you know, that was a lovely bit of work from him and Darwin should have scored. Um so that was a big statement from him to say, look, I'm still I'm still here, you know, I'm I, I can deliver numbers as well. I'm not just about sort of, you know, this lovely touch and dribbling and that kind of thing. I'm also about the bottom line. I think Jot has looked sharp. You know, in pre-season, you have to remember how much football he missed last season, and took him True. a while back to his best form, didn't it, towards the back end? But he he finished the season well, and he looks like he's starting this one well. And then he got Darwin, who, you know, they, they, he's probably the player. You know, probably Henderson in the past was the one, and maybe Curtis has had it a little bit recently. But I think Darwin's the one that prompts probably the most extreme reactions from from fans. Would you say? Yeah, very you, fair. You're either with him. Or you're against them, but you know there's yeah. there's not much middle ground, and I'm 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 very much with him I think I, I I love I love the sort of the fact that he's in the thick of the game all the time. I love the fact that he's between the, the posts getting chances. I, you know, I'd like him to be more clinical, and I, I'd like I'd like to be more confident that he's going to score when he goes clean through and things like that. But I look at him and just think he if if things went right for him this season, he could score. Tons of goals, and that's a that's a very exciting sort of prospect for Liverpool to have those four plus Mo Salah plus Ben Doke. Let's you know let's 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 give him a little shout out as well. True. You're talking about sort of cameos off the bench in pre season or sort of you know showing showing that you might be able to have an impact on games for for a, a club. I think Ben Doke, you know, even what was it twenty minutes today, fifteen minutes today, yeah, uh, you know, forty five minutes in, in other games, always always a threat, always dangerous. So. To have those five plus a young kid, seventeen-year-old kid, who's you know looks like he's going to go and get to a pretty decent level in his career, it it does bode well for Liverpool. But yeah, you're right in terms of in terms of that first weekend of the season. I'm, I'll be fascinated to see what he does. I think it is Salah plus two. My my choice would be the two that started today. But <laughs> you could you could persuade me, you know, on any of the others. Really, you could persuade me for any game. Really, any combination because they're all looking pretty sharp. Yeah, I
2: mean, I saw. Someone put it in our Discord, which I thought was a brilliant comment, which summed it up well today. If with a bit of luck, and luck's the important one here, you can have two game changers on the bench every single game. And that's sometimes what we've been lacking. So, yeah, the, the five forwards, however it works out, stay on form. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be a brilliant season, fingers crossed. And we've kind of answered about the defence. We won't go too much into sort of the the things we didn't like from pre-season. One thing, though, I did want to ask you, because I know yourself, Andy Kelly, your regulars at what was Melwood, regulars now at the the AXA for sort of the U-team games. There's been in a good way, and I mean this, because sometimes people have talked about youth players in pre-season and has kind of had a feeling like it's a a Christian Nemeth and Ovi Ajari are like, yeah, they're showing a, a flash, even a Rian Brewster, but are they really going to make it? Might be wrong, might be exaggerating. It just feels like especially the two, and, and it's not just these two, but Doke and Kwanza, there's a lot of sort of questions like hold on, could these guys be in the first team squad this season? You know, not starters week in, week out, but having impacts on, you know, from the bench, in the cups, that type of thing. It shouldn't just be those two, but Thinking of those two specifically, do you think they have got a chance for this season of making an impact of sorts? I
3: think Doak has. I mean, he already played for the first team, obviously, so he's already got you know something under his belt, albeit you know very brief cameos and fifty you know fifty minutes here and there, five five. Yeah. Appearances, I think, but I think if you look at his game, it lends itself a lot, you know, to if he's willing to, you know, if Liverpool think it's the right thing. it, it lends itself to an impact sub. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any issue if Liverpool were 1-0 down against Chelsea with 15 minutes to go of of putting Ben Doak on that pitch. You know, I wouldn't yeah. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say okay every game or starting games or whatever, but if you if you were chasing a game or you you had a, a left back that's been booked or a left back that was struggling I'd I'd get get that lad on. Get him at him. You know that he's in that position already, I think, in that sense that I think Liverpool could trust him in in games. So I think he's definitely got a chance of you know how big the impact is depends on on the circumstance and and depends on the you know whether he stays injury free and look and things like that. But yeah, I think he's in a position. Kwanza, it's a big step. Like, I, I I like him. I like what he's developed. You know, I think he I, I think he's got a lovely diagonal on him, he's got good size, good, good pace. Physically looks, he's come on leaps and bounds. It's a big step going from playing for Bristol Rovers in, in League One and going to play centre back for Liverpool. Um, you know, we're looking at we're talking about Joel Matip and Joe Gomez potentially not being able to do it to the high enough standard. So to expect a young lad like that was so inexperienced, I think would be it'd be hard to see. Um yeah. I would lean towards him going on loan, really, and getting some more experience under his belt. But I think. What's in his favour a little bit is obviously the physical element to it. So again, you're talking about we've seen a bit different, but you've seen Nat Phillips play the odd game here and there and sort of, you know, you you can you can bank on him winning headers and you can bank on him sort of, you know, being robust enough to handle centre forward. So Quantz is not Nat Phillips, he's not the same type of player, but physically he's got the the capability. Whereas if you were looking at yeah. sort of Vandenberg or you were looking at say um Reese Williams previously, you would have had a little bit of a concern about it. I don't think that concerns there with Kwanzaa, but the concern is obviously the experience at that level and the opposition you're going to be up against, because it's not just, you know, it's easy to sort of, to look at the top end of the Premier League and then, and then sort of, you know, advert your eyes from the rest, but you're up against good players every week, you know, whether you're playing, yeah. Astor, playing Bournemouth, you're playing whoever, they're players that will, t- you know, they have got capability of taking advantage of any sort of, naivety or lack of sort of, you know, being switched on, concentration, and to ask a young kid to go from Bristol Rovers to Liverpool would be, I think, would probably be a step too far.
2: This yeah, season. I just... Yeah, I did. It's a weird... I just wanted to ask because probably the the unseen man, I think Kaiser Sose has been seen more than him, but Nat Phillips just seems to have almost disappeared yeah. from the scene a little bit. So, obviously, the speculation earlier in the window is linked with Leeds, but that seems to have gone quiet, so almost who would fill with, with Vanderberg, like you say, going as well, who would fill that fifth spot, you could call it, for centre-backs if needed, and we, you know history tells us we have a fair few injuries there as well now and again, so it would just be interesting to see, but I suppose if if another defender does come in, that probably ends the Quanta debate, doesn't it? As, in as soon as one comes in, you probably expect him to go on loan straight away.
3: Yeah, I think so, and obviously, you know, you, you've got to remember Liverpool... If, if they, if they aren't feeling like a little bit nervous at this point, given what happened last season, then they, they should be because by the end of, of August, you know, so much had happened in terms of injuries, hadn't it? So, you know, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense maybe to, to, to start throwing play everyone out on loan early in the window. when you could be in a position where after, after two games, you know, think back to last season, Philip started the first home game of the season here. You know, we played. Yeah. So. You Know they were they were in a position where Canate was sidelined, where Matit was at the knock, where Joe Gomez had a, had something as well. So, you know, they ended up in, at times last season. You know, with Van Dijk on the on the on the sidelines, with with Robertson, with with obviously Thiago people. So a lot can change. So I think maybe you you look at it a little bit later in the window as well, and and, and then you can start making your judgments on okay. Phillips is gone, so maybe Kwanzaa stays for the first half of the season or vice versa. Um, you know, you've, you've obviously got some young full backs there, you've got Connor Bradley who's had a you know yeah. unfortunately, but you've got obviously they've taken the decision of Calvin Ramsey early, they've taken the decision of Reese Williams early. Um, but you've got Callum Scanlon who's who's come through. So has he has he sort of put himself in the frame for a lone move? Bobby Clark. I think he's to be honest, when you when you were when you said the two at the start of this question or this conversation, I thought you were going to say Bobby Clark was the other one that you, you thought yeah. was a good position. Because I I think he's the one that looks, out of all of all of the younger players with, with Doke. I think he's the one that looks like he's a level above the sort of the kid sort of um, status. I think he's the one that looks like he's got a game. I, I really do. I think he looks like he gets about the pitch. He looks smart. He gets into goal scoring positions, which is pretty yeah. good. Um, he looks like he can press and do the off the ball stuff. So I think he'd be an interesting one later in the window, maybe to see whether there's loan opportunities for him because I think there'll be a lot of clubs that would look and not just sort of see it as oh take that kid from Liverpool, or actually see it as this kid could go into our team and, and, and play in the championship or or wherever. You know, I think I think he's got that capability. I think he's um I think he's a really good young player, Bobby Clark. Yeah, absolutely, and I think even Jurgen said in
2: pre-season when he came back, he's like he's grown so much. He literally looks a, a man, and yeah, good goal the other day, Sean as well. So
3: yeah, he should have got one today, shouldn't he? He had a, he had a very similar chance to him when uh, Doak pulled it back to him, and I thought he was going to going repeat the trick. But I, I I think I just like I just like an awful lot of his game. You know, I like I like the fact that he's quite unfussy. He doesn't sort of doesn't do he doesn't make the wrong decision very often. He doesn't look like he's phased. And, you know, he look, again, against the ball, he looks like he's got tools that you can work with and mould into a pretty good all round midfield player. So, yeah, fingers crossed for him that he carries on on that upward curve, whether it's at Liverpool for the first half of the season or whether he gets alone.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Real talent, no doubts about it. And the the final question I did want to ask before we go to sort of just a a few predictions almost for the season was, he's been interesting. It's in terms of outlook because Jürgen said it was almost not a dig maybe that's too harsh but in his press conference the other day we're making all these changes but you guys have talked about you know wanting all these changes you know when change is a good thing you know we need to adapt so to speak do you you care it's not having a negative outlook it's not having a positive outlook don't get me wrong but do you see it in terms of that as in fans should you know really be embracing this season with the change you know the, the younger element or do you understand the kind of nerves around, you know, the experience, almost a, a bit of a change in policy, it almost seems, for possibly transfers and things like that? Or, as always, is the truth somewhere halfway between, so to speak?
3: Yeah, it's interesting because I think in, in January, if you've would said, right, come and start the next season. There's no more Fabinho, there's no more Henderson, there's no more Milner, there's no more Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think a lot of people would have signed that charter, wouldn't they? They would have said, lovely. Yeah. That's- what we're in for, but obviously when you when all of them sort of come to pass, then it becomes about okay. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't say wanting your cake and eating it, but sort of making sure that all of them, you know, it, it it it's sort of elite replacements, and that's what I talked about really in terms of the numbers earlier with midfielders. That I, I think to do that, there's five midfielders straight away. I think you want to be as close to sort of five midfielders in, don't you? As as, as you can, yeah. be yeah. Um, I I think I think Chelsea away is a real annoying first game for, for this yeah. job, this mood this mood around Liverpool. I, I do I think it's it's got the it's got the potential. I, you know, I, played, I played Call for the Mate of mine yesterday who's a Liverpool fan and I said to him, Do you know what? I said what's in my head is is that Arsenal game when they signed Mane? on the first game of the season where I can yeah. I can see something similar. And I don't know which way it'll finish, but I can see a game where Liverpool either lay down a bit of a marker with with, you know, a greater way win, but an exciting one, or I can see it where it's sort of a, a bubble, a bubble burst. And I felt like that going into the Arsenal game, I felt like I felt like that with that. oh God, this could be horrible I think yeah. I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this one but I felt like did Ragnar Klavan start that game at centre-back yeah he did yeah with Lovren yeah with Lovren, Yeah, and it felt like Liverpool hadn't addressed that centre-back problem from the previous year and Moreno played left-back if I remember and it, yeah. I think Liverpool haven't really assessed it and if they lose that game that'll just be like this mood will just be oh my god what are they doing now if they were to do that like obviously at Chelsea with that midfield issue not resolved then I feel like that mood would really sort of become dark quickly in the season vice versa if they go there and do what they've been doing in pre-season and just start scoring goals and you know all the forwards are sort of on blob then yeah, it, it can really sort of lift that that, that feeling so I wish Liverpool were home to Bournemouth and the first game of the season is is the sort of the bottom line, yeah. I would sort of allow liverpool to, to to ease into the season and and give that 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 sense but i do i do think it's it feels it feels like you're gonna have to pull up with a little bit of rain at times in the first part of this season because there's so many changes there's so many players who are. New either in age or new in yeah. terms of when they've arrived or, or, or the role in the team, you know, with, with, with trends with Darwin and people like that. Um, so I do think you're probably going to have to prepare yourself for a little bit of up and down to start the season, but I don't see any reason not to be, you know, excited for what Liverpool are going to look like. I think the very, the very, the very bottom arm actually, you know, I'll, I'll let you in on, on a secret. I've I've got a I've got a piece I'm writing for tomorrow or, or later in the week. And the, the intro is whatever your concerns over Liverpool, at least it looks like they're going to be fun to watch this season. And I think there's no yeah. question they are going to be fun to watch. They're going to have goals in them. They're going to be able to they, they might be one that concede two in, in, in a lot of games or 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 more. But I think they are one of those that even if they were 2-0 down a half time in a game, you'd look at you look at the players who are on the pitch and think, well, they can score three in the second half. They can score three or four. You know, so I do think there is that. That level of excitement but yeah I, I, I completely I completely understand the um, you know the the, the fact that having, having had a poor season having had so much change you're sort of you're dying for that sign of just it's everything's all everything's alright I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to offer that at this moment in time the only all I would be able to sort of offer is my opinion of I think it'll be quite exciting and I think I think they will come out of it in the end better than they were it's just how long it takes to get there
2: yeah, very true. It's almost got speaking of that season, seventeen, eighteen vibes type of thing, where we'll score a shed load of goals, but we'll be a bit porous, for want of a better phrase, at the back, so to speak. Is in? There'll be. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one. If if nothing much changes, where we hammer a top team, but we also have them weeks where we're thinking, how the hell have we just drawn three three at Forest or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a lower team. But talking of predictions. There's a final things I just wanted to, to ask you what, you know, your gut's telling you at, at this stage. Cause Jurgen was was honest in his press conference to when he was asked about it, the final question to say, don't see us as title contenders realistically. It's only, you know, City who could see themselves that way. We're one of the Champions League qualifications team. Fair assessment, would you say, at this stage? Not expect anything like a title tilt but a Champions League place realistic. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah.
0: allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
3: Yeah, I mean, I suppose you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say don't expect one, but I think Jürgen's right to say that. I think I, I saw an interview with Eric Ten Hag in the, in the Times uh, um, over the weekend where I think he said something similar. He said, no one has the right to call themselves sort of title contenders, you know, except for City because they've won five of the last six. And they, yeah. You know- they're getting strong aren't they you know they're going to be strong every season and I think the rest are all jostling for that those other three places and obviously if you become an Arsenal or a Liverpool in previous years and you sort of come out of the pack then you can start thinking about your title tilt once you sort of you get off to a good start and you put yourself in that frame Um, I think Liverpool will finish in the top four I I think they'll get it I think they'll get back in there I do I think they'll Like I say, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit up and down maybe to start the season, but I think a few clubs will find themselves in that position. I think, you know, you look at Chelsea, obviously, a a, a dreadful season and they don't look, they don't look stronger to me this season. They may be more stable or, you know, a bit more sort of, you know, they've got a, they've got a manager who, who they might be a bit more behind, but they don't look stronger to me. Tottenham don't look stronger. Newcastle, not much stronger. You know, they don't, they, I think Newcastle probably overachieved a bit last season. And, you know, there's always that element that do they just drop back a little bit and become a Europa League competing club rather than a, a Champions League? I think there's a possibility of that. United, you know, they're, they're going to gamble on a, on a strike around it. Looks like in, in Hoyland, who, you know, could go either, either way, really. You know, I saw a, a sort of, I sort of side by side where they were comparing him to Haaland and there's, <laughs> there's no real comparison to Haaland in here. Yeah. He's, he's far more of a gamble than Haaland ever was at City. Um, So that can go either way. And then there's Arsenal who look like they've strengthened pretty well with, with the signings they've made, but I still think there's sort of just question marks over them. They, 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 they Felt like they were at their sort of peak for a lot of last season and still came up short. So are they going to do what Liverpool did and get better? Or are they going to do what other teams have done in the past and sort of have one season in the sun and drop back? So I I think there's opportunity there for Liverpool to get in the top four. I think they will personally. You know, you've got to remember, you know, God, how many, how many sort of nightmare games did we have with Liverpool last season? You know, that last season for, for January in particular felt like an absolute slog. And he still Still, not that far away from getting in. So, you know, just to have anything like a sort of a decent season, I think we'll get Liverpool back in the Champions League, and I back them to do it. Brill.
2: And uh, to keep it on a positive, the final sort of two questions I wanted to ask: Do you think the Champions Wall outside Anfield is mm-hmm. getting updated? Do you fancy silverware this season uh, of any sort?
3: Um, I think there's a good. I think there's a like, good tilt to the Europa League. Uh, you know, once Liverpool get into sort of latter stages of Europe, they tend to get to finals. Don't do these. They tend to get deep in it. Yeah. So I certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be facing Liverpool in the Europa League this season. Um, I think that's a, I think, look, if you were asking me honestly, it'd have to be, a, it'd have to be a cup, obviously, rather than the league. Um, probably would lean towards the Europa League as being a, a more realistic, um, opportunity. Um, yeah, why not? You know, listen, I've written Liverpool off many, many times in the past and said, ah, this is it. You know, they need to do this and this and this. And they've come back strong. You know, I, uh, yeah, I I think, I think Jäger and the boys will uh, at least give Liverpool something to sort of shout about in terms of a cup run or, you know, like I say, a top four challenge, maybe both this season. And if they get into the latter stages of any competition, you know, they've shown that they've got the, they've got the minerals to do it.
2: Yeah, chance to turn Dublin red and a top four finish.
3: Yeah, you no, know, I was thinking about that. I mean, it depends what your sort of your you, your thoughts on that are. Obviously, if it's it's either your dream scenario or your nightmare scenario, isn't it? Trying to get tickets for the Liverpool game in Dublin, um, but it, it it would be some occasion if Liverpool was to reach that final at you know at the Aviva, isn't it? Um, can you imagine the sort of just the scenes that we would see over there? Yeah. it would be absolutely incredible. It would be,
2: and the. Uh... The final question, it'll be interesting to see this one because uh, it's one that's starting to crop up. Based on what you're seeing so far, who would you plump for if you had to bet for Liverpool's Player of the Year for this oh, season?
3: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I, I, what I'll say is I hope it's not Allison because I think that would, that would tell you something about the season. and It t- t- tells you something about last season, doesn't it? Um, oh, That's a good question. Do you know what? I'm, I'm big on him at the moment. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm huge on Gakpo and, and just this idea that he's going to go up a level. He just looks to me like he's, he's so sure of himself. He's so comfortable in, in, in him, the way he's playing and, you know, his role in the team. I, I, I think there's a big season in Cody Gakpo to come. Obviously, the obvious one would be Salah, uh, maybe Trent would be the, you know, the yeah. obvious one sort of, um, star names and the favourites if you want to call it that but I think Gakpo's I, I I can just see a huge season from him I really can and especially if he can stay in G3 I think he could be one of those where Liverpool are looking and saying like oh, what, a, what a great signing that was
2: Yeah fingers crossed and I think yeah you're probably right The because I don't want to sound lazy but the, the common names quite rightly Trent and Mo but yeah it would be good if, uh, if there was another name like Gakpo another forward in the conversation it would usually tell you as long as it's not Alisson that it's been a yeah. successful season that way, probably the hints yeah. there.
4: Yeah.
2: Magic. Listen, it only leads me to say, Neil, as always, thank you very much for, for your time, very much for your insight. And fingers crossed, touch wood. By the time we catch up next time, there's a few more through the door. And hopefully, we're talking about a, a positive start to the season. But should say, thanks very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated.
3: No problem. Thanks for having me
2: as ever. Magic. And that was another Media Matters.